COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa Cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 165 of Confessions of a Marketer, Creative Audacity. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Keith Cartwright is here to discuss starting his new agency, Cartwright, which he started with the backing of WPP amid COVID-19 and the racial tensions. We'll get to that in a moment. First off, let me tell you that we will be back for a fourth season of Confessions of a Marketer in September. I started telling you about maybe not coming back a few weeks ago. I was a lot of things going on in my head about the direction of the show and and so forth. And it's been great to hear from you about what this little podcast means to you. It really has. And I decided to make the tweaks I want to make and keep forging ahead with Confessions of a Marketer. So there's lots more to come. For the next few weeks, we'll be digging into the archives, but we'll have a new season starting in September. I'll be focusing on some societal issues that interest me, and I hope you'll find the guests we're planning intriguing. So as I always say, stay tuned. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, on to Keith Cartwright. I have to tell you that the discussion with Keith inspired some of my thinking about the future of this show. The world has turned upside down, and even amid COVID-19 and the racial tensions, Keith started his new agency. We discuss all of that, plus working with the support of WPP and Gray, plus creative audacity, and his side hustle, Saturday Morning, a nonprofit that aims to bring awareness to and shift perceptions of racial bias and injustice. Let's get to it. Keith, thanks for joining me on Confessions of a Marketer. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Can you share your background and the story behind your new agency, Cartwright? 
I understand the name. I think that that's obvious, but. Well, yeah, you know, I've, I've always considered myself, you know, an entrepreneur at heart and having been in this business for over 20 years, I think all entrepreneurs share a, a similar bug. They have a vision and an idea and something that they want to create and creating this venture has been a manifestation of that. So me wanting to go out and start another agency, the first question you always ask is, does the world need another agency? <laughs> you know, and the, the easy answer is no, but my answer was yes, because I think I bring a different perspective based on my background, Yeah, a different point of view on the work because of how I go about uh, creating work and leading teams. And when you add those things up, the, the answer became yes, I think there is room for another agency. Well, there's always room for new ideas and new points of That's view right. and just a new take on things. You know, you could get the same people together who you were with at a different agency and put them in a new environment and they'd come up with different ideas, right? That's right. So what's it like starting an agency with the backing of WPP? It must be nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, conventional wisdom says, wow, that sounds complicated, but mm -hmm. I think we're still in a people business. And, you know, I had gone into business on my own about seven or eight years ago and my backing it on myself, I ran into certain problems with the ability to scale. And the reason for that was because of the way that our industry is structured now, you know, especially for small agencies, they're mostly project-based. And it's, it became really difficult for me to be able to substantiate the scope and then project hiring based on those scopes, freelance costs, yeah. fairly absorbent. And it, that becomes really difficult for a small agency or any small company. I think this go around, the vision was what I want to do is a, obviously be able to focus on the work, but have a partner like the great group globally who can be that support for me so I can expand and contract as necessary. This becomes an efficiency of scale for the clients and for myself. Uh, we can pull from a network that is based in creativity or talent, but it's obviously has broad reach across 90 countries. So if I need strategy, creative, or brand help uh, from a different region, they're available to me. So I still have this sort of independent spirit, but I have the ability to help satisfy any cl uh, client request because of my partnership with WPP and Great Group. So it's the best of both worlds. Yes. So you started this, what was it in February when you started? Yeah, it was pre-COVID. <laughs> so tell me about that journey. I, I want to talk about COVID yeah. and everything that's happening in the world, but let's talk about the actual journey. Because, you know, I remember yeah. thinking back in January, this is going to be an incredible year. And, you know, it's, it's just going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I think actually, you know, from I run a marketing business myself and this year has actually turned into one of my better years. Right. But I think there was a time in March and April where it felt like, you know, I was going to be on a bread line. And it seems like things have changed a bit. But tell me about that journey. You just probably decided well before February that you wanted to start an agency, but then you started in February. Walk me through what that was like. Well, I think, you know, we had all kinds, I, I actually kept all the documentation for posterity. We had a plan, a very robust plan on how we would go to press and mm -hmm. client outreach and 
office space and all the things that we were prepared to do. And then reality hit right. in the form of COVID and everything changed. And I, and I think the good news for us was because we were born into the pandemic and we were for, forced to rethink how we work and how we engage with clients, we didn't know any other way. So I think our advantage was we leaned in because it was a it was based on survival, right? We have to, there's no other, yeah. there's nothing else we can do. I think a healthy amount of fear in any endeavor is good. And uh, that perpetuated that. And it just made us hyper aware of how we engage with clients and how we show up when we are talking to them or showing, sharing work, um, being, um, you know, really, really open and honest about where we are in the process. And I think the clients who were, by the way, uh, equally frightened by everything that's going on because they have their own, um, you know, issues yeah. and concerns based on, on their business, uh, appreciated that. And, and then we got really comfortable with it. I think, I think some businesses who obviously have been establishing around much longer than us had to stop their current process, which is hard, right? And then rethink a new one and teach that new process to everyone. So we, we skipped that step. We just had yeah. to learn a new process. And I even, I, I say all the time to my leadership group, coming out of this, there's so many things that we're going to continue to do because it's just better. Yeah. You know, you go through any, any difficult time, innovation comes from it, right? And because you're forced to uh, learn, grow, and innovate in order to get through it. And those who are the most ambitious actually come out on top. So as you said, you are you're having a good year despite COVID. And I'm sure it's because you, you leaned in and, and said, you know, we're not going to let this slow us down. And that yeah. ambition and confidence, I think, um, shines through. And I think clients recognize that. But you're a pandemic native, kind of, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've always had that byline: born in the pandemic. <laughs> so we are in unprecedented times. You know, we talked about COVID nineteen, the heartbreaking racial tensions that we've seen bubble up. Really, it's really not something new. It's been around for a long time, but it's it's kind of reached critical mass maybe this year. How, how do you hope to align with the realities of the world, the complex realities of the world, and help your clients? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an interesting question. I mean, because obviously I'm African-American and I'm living through all the stress of the protests mm -hmm. and the things that are going on in the streets while I'm building a business. So life is happening and I am dealing with the things that are going on in the world while I'm trying to do something that is very difficult to start, start a company. Yeah. And it's not lost on me that, you know, for our industry, there are, there's not a, there's not a great representation of people of color, specifically African-Americans in leadership roles. So uh, because of that, I, I see that as a, as a responsibility. I, I personally take that on as a responsibility and something that I want to, as that, I want to make sure that you know, what I'm building and, and how I'm being perceived becomes hopefully inspiration for others to do the same. And so that I'm not one of few, but hopefully by the end of my career, I become one of many. Yeah. That's one of my, that's one of my goals. And look, you know, although we are not quote unquote agency that specializes in multicultural advertising, we are just an agency and I just so happen to be black. I think the thing that 
I do tell my clients and I and the people who work with me is that we want to make sure that when we show up and they see our faces on Zoom or when we're talking about the work, that there is a representation that is at least equivalent to our current population. I think we owe it to our clients to give them a diverse perspective of thinking based on our cultural backgrounds because they are different, which I think I not I don't think I know makes the work better mm-hmm. because when you have a diverse perspective that you can't that can't help but make its way into the work through the lens of creativity. And sometimes it's also used as a way for us to make sure that we're not saying the wrong thing or putting the wrong message out that might isolate or marginalize uh, another group. So I think to answer your question, what's coming out of this, I think is more clarity, hopefully better understanding on our road to a more equal and just world. Yeah. There have been some kind of sad attempts to address some of the the tensions that we've seen that have been kind of just poorly executed. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, their hearts weren't in the right place. But how do you ensure that, I I guess it comes from sincerity, right? How do you ensure that the messaging and all that is right? Yeah, I'm I'm assuming you're talking about, you know, all the messaging that's coming out in and around the protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, let me say that I think it's, you know, when you put a message out in the world, you have to be obviously be very careful because it's representing a brand and a company. So I think those things need to be, scrutinized and talked about and debated. That doesn't mean it needs to be safe, right? right? By safe, I mean without a point of view, a perspective, a side, right? I think when it comes to racism, I think there's there's only one side, right? Yeah. And there's nothing to really be afraid of as a company to take the side of being anti-racist. Although some companies are a bit more bashful in how they communicate that. So from my perspective, that's easy. Now, where it becomes hard is how you articulate that, right? Literally, what are you saying? Does it feel like you're using this moment to prop up your company and make them and the brand feel like it's aligned when you haven't been there all along? Mm -hmm. That's a watch out. You have to be careful. You'll be called out for that in cancel culture. Or are you really looking at this as the beginning of a journey, being honest and transparent about where you are in that journey and trying to find the white space between your company and this moment to have a voice and a perspective and a point of view that can eventually grow into uh, alignment um, with this movement. So, you know, when it was, again, so as when I talk to clients about what's happening right now, one of the first questions I ask is, so where, where do you feel like you are in this journey? Yeah. Right? What, have you, what have you done, in your opinion, to be aligned with the things that are happening? What's your point of view? Let's start there before we jump into communication. Otherwise, you can get yourself in trouble. Yeah. So I think this leads me into the next point I want to discuss. Can you tell me about creative audacity, what it means and how you put it to work? Yeah. You know, creative audacity is is at its core. It's the center of how we think about our business. And, you know, creativity is not just within the creative department, right? Mm -hmm. Creativity is something that we believe exists throughout our entire company. It has Mm -hmm. to. You don't have to be a quote-unquote art director or copywriter to be creative. In fact, a media buy could be very creative, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So when we say creative audacity, it's, you know, in this world we live in, it's, in my opinion, we live in the attention economy Mm -hmm. where it's really, really hard to get mindshare from people who are so distracted by all the things that sort of barrage, the barrage of 
information and media yeah. that hits you every day. How do you cut through that? And there is a certain type of creativity, which we call creative audacity, that we think does that and does it well. First thing you have to believe is there, there are different types of creativity. And it's not to say that any of them are wrong in, right, in the right application. But I think for our business and for what we do and for what our, what our clients are asking us to do, it has to be audacious in order to entice and to force people to engage and share and to want more. Otherwise, it, it just, it'll, it'll just pass by along with the other 200,000 to a million different impressions that, that hit your desktop or television screen every day. So in Creative Audacity, it becomes sort of our, our statement it's our stance when it comes to creativity and it's our position on the type of creativity that we think is important and necessary for your business to thrive. Yeah. You really can't get to the big idea without being audacious in some way, right? Well, I think so. And, <laughs> you know, look, I, I, sometimes clients come to us and, and we, we say that they get nervous because they see that as us come back to, to them with something that's dangerous, right? Or risky. And all clients aren't the same. You know, some clients aren't willing to pivot, but you have to zag if you want to separate yourself mm. from your competitors and yeah. you have to figure out a way to cut through or you're wasting your money. Yeah. And so, you know, I've said to clients, you know, look, we may not be right for you because we're going to come back to you, not with, uh, you know, more iterations of what you've already done. We're going to try to find a way to, create something that you haven't seen before that's still aligned with your brand, but we want to position it and talk about it in a different way. Yeah. And that can make a client nervous, but it can also reassure them that they've hired someone who is thinking beyond the kind of strictures of what they've done in the past. And, you know, I know whenever I've hired an agency, I don't want them to do what we've already done. I want them to think beyond that. So I'd also love to learn about Saturday Morning, this nonprofit that aims to bring awareness to and shift perceptions of racial bias and injustice. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I love talking about Saturday Morning. It's a nonprofit that I started with my co-founders, Jeff Edwards, Kwame Taylor Hayford, and Janet Jenkins, who are all creative professionals at a very high level. They all have day jobs like I do. Mm -hmm. This nonprofit started in 2016. I was literally driving in Los Angeles home and across the radio, they just announced, we started the discussion of the death of Philando Castillo. Mm -hmm. Eric Gardner had just died earlier that same year. And it was no different than what's going on this year through the lens of rogue police officers and police brutality. It really hit me in a way that I was paralyzed and I couldn't move. And I reached out to my friends via text and I said, hey, let's get together. And I, I literally just wanted to have a conversation with them and talk. That conversation, we all met up in LA because they all happened to be there. We met up at the Rose Cafe here in Venice. We talked for, it had to be at least five or six hours. We came out of that conversation saying, let's pin a letter to the AdRags uh, at Age and, and AdWeek. And from that letter, Mark Pritchard reached out and said, hey, I want to talk to you guys. And that conversation turned into a relationship with Mark. And from that, we've developed a look, but we've also worked with Spotify and, and we've created our own IP and working with other brands now. And we're constantly consulting with brands, all in the spirit of using creativity to help dispel the constant myth that for some reason, 
black lives are not as important as others. Mm-hmm. And we try not to stand on a soapbox and do a lot of talks and conversations in and around who we are and what we represent and how we feel about what's going on in the moment. We want creativity to be the thing that has the conversation more than us as, as spokespeople. That's wonderful. Being able to do something that can kind of move the needle, it must be um, personally satisfying. Yeah, it's been, I have to say, it's one of the most rewarding things. Because, you know, again, we've done quite a bit. It's a weekend job for us. Saturday mornings, right? That's right. That's, that's part of it. That's what, we, that's what we spend a lot of our time thinking about what we do next. And But it's, you know, when we do bring in uh, revenue, that goes right back out. We give it all the way to, it's either through college funds or us creating IP for mm-hmm. the purpose of spreading our message. So, you know, it's, it's addictive when you start to see it work and resonate. You start to, to feel the power of purpose actually working its way through society. So I think I could speak for all of my co-founders. We enjoy not just getting on the phone and, and having fellowship and talking about what's next, but when things go out in the world and we know that this is something that we created for the purpose of good, there's no better feeling. Yeah, so so we're in the middle of these tumultuous times. And I'm actually a firm believer that great marketing and advertising can help. It can help people understand the world. And, and how do you think that plays into it? You know, I would have questioned that four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I look at how brands... It started as a, a slight pivot. I mean, like a girl and some of the other things that, you know, even even the dove work. You know, you see that work and you're like, wow, it's it's in and around the brand, but there's an objective here to demonstrate what this brand stands for and how they want society to see them. And but I still would have questioned, you know, is this is this still too narrow for a brand to really wrap its arms around it? and for it to become something that they could do consistently. And now in 2020, I think most brands that we talk to are looking for ways to get closer and closer to that as their marketing objective. So to answer your question, I think not only do I think it's possible, I think it has to happen. I think, you know, we're living in a society now where people want to know what their brand stands for before they purchase, before they become associated with it. They want to know, you know, what side they're on. Because, you know, we live in a, we live in a sort of a, our world now has become way more tribal. I don't know if we're going to be able to slow that down anytime soon. So with that comes a lot of questions about the things, the way we spend our money and the way we spend our time and what we bring into our homes or into our lives. Yeah. But really good advertising hits you in the gut, right? It hits you in the heart. And that's how people make decisions about brands is based on love and the feeling they have for something, whether you like Apple or, you know, Microsoft or whether, you know, the the reason you patronize a brand is because of the emotion that you surround it with. And that's what advertising does. And that's how it can help move society in certain directions, I think. I mean, you look at some of the more successful brands who have done it well for years. I think Apple, I think Nike are two examples of brands who very early on said marketing is important 
because it is pushing the philosophy of our company that what we know internally, it's pushing it to our consumer to let them know who we are, what we stand for, and what our personality is as, a, as an organization and as a brand. And you can see the resonance, how that's um, elevated these brands because they're the best brands and the most admired, brand, admired brands in the world. Yeah. So I think what we're going through now is just, it's actually become more resonant. Now brands, now not only do they want to know who you are, what your personality is and how you think, they want to know what you stand for, Yeah. right? So they've ratcheted it up a level. Society has ratcheted it up a level to wanting to know what you stand for and whose side you want and, and, and where, how are you donating? Where are you donating your money? It's getting, it's getting, it's getting incredibly interesting and deep. And uh, as I, I would say, you know, you, you'd hear the conversations five, maybe less than five years ago, that marketing and advertising was going through a moment that advertising was dying, that it wasn't, it would never be what it was. I think actually we're going through an evolution and renaissance now where our business is actually going to become more important to brands because they really, really need to define who they are and what they stand for. And it requires marketing level thinking to align that with what they do. Yeah. Marketing is about values, Steve Jobs famously said, and it really is, isn't it? Absolutely. So let's be optimistic and look ahead a year from now. Maybe the pandemic is close to being over. Who knows? And maybe the, the world is slightly less on edge. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're all still wearing masks. You know, I'll wear them as long as I need to. But where do you see your agency headed and what are your hopes for the work that you'll produce? It's an interesting question. I think the next step for us, you know, we're still kind of in the, uh, the early days. I mean, we're, we're only seven months old, six months old. You've had some success from what I've read. You're, you're, you, you know, you've yeah. pulled in some great <laughs> accounts. So, so not, not that you want to rest on those laurels quite. No, yet. no, no. We've been doing, it's been an incredible outpouring from the, uh, clients reaching out and press and, and I, I couldn't have asked for a better start. I think, you know, establishing culture is difficult in this environment. And I, I put a lot of emphasis on the culture of the place because similar to brands, the culture of your business dictates the kind of people who work there and then how they operate and move and, and then eventually how they communicate to your your clients. And that's the lasting legacy of any company and organization. Mm-hmm. So. I think as we potentially move back into some sort of normalcy, right, where, you know, we we move back into a, an office of some sort and we're communal again, I think a lot of emphasis is going to be put on establishing and defining that culture for everyone who works there. And, you know, I've always thought that, you know, advertising is a hard business and, and sometimes not so nice people work inside of it. And I've always found that curious. I didn't, I didn't, I never believed that advertising had to be as cutthroat and as difficult and as harsh as it as it has been sometimes in my career. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can operate and move and do great work and be in and around and a part of a creative culture and still be, you know, kind to one another and still have an environment where people want to go to work every day because they, they like what's happening there and they like the people who work there. I remember when I started working at Wyden and Kennedy, Dan, Dan Wyden, he defined his place as art school. Mm. And the thing that was interesting about that was, as someone who'd gone to art school, the thing I loved about it was it's incredibly collaborative. 
but you're still making something that you perceive and believe is your own. And it's defined by your tastes and it's defined by your experiences, but it's school, right? So you're constantly learning and growing and thriving. So for me, you know, I want to create a place where obviously people should have lives outside of work, but when they're not there, they may feel like, am I missing something? Yeah. Uh, because it's such a, an enjoyable place to be and the people there are their, are their closest and best friends. To some yeah. I think one thing that the pandemic has done for large companies, and this may have uh, an effect on your business, is that they realize that people have lives. So a lot of these people who are working at home are you know, juggling their kids, they're juggling, you know, uh, making dinner and doing business calls. And I think some really large companies that never really thought about that now kind of consider the whole person rather than just the person who's in the office between certain hours. And that, if you can kind of have that make sense in your head, makes those people more valuable to you. You know, yeah, I can't wait to see the anthropological studies that are going to come out of this, yeah, this moment in time. Because what you're saying, you're absolutely right. I think we there was a perception, and everyone was afraid to disrupt that perception of what it meant to get up and be at work at eight and leave at six, or yeah, or some version of that. And you know, you'd hear people talk about you know working four days a week or every other week or working from home, but it was always frowned upon because it depicted whether or not you were either invested in that company mm-hmm. or it was perceived that you were never going to be as productive as those people who were there from morning to night. Right. And I think what's, what COVID has proven is that's not true. Yeah. And there was actually, there's actually a lot of time being wasted sometimes in the office because of useless meetings that the meetings about meetings and all the things that just kind of get in the way of productivity. So, you know, again, I don't think it's, this is not perfect. I think we need to go back to some level of normalcy where we can go and put things up on walls and have conversations about the work and do the things that I think are just human and and things that are never going to change about humanity. But I do think now people can have more flex between working at home and being productive and being perceived as productive. And a lot of things are going to shift and change because of that. I mean, you could have, probably have a great creative conversation with someone who's walking their dog. Right. And, and, you know, b- before you might not have even thought, oh, you're walking your dog, I'll talk to you later. You can actually multitask on things and people accept that now. Whereas before you had this kind of separation between your home life and your work life. Now, you know, maybe there's some danger in it, but they're kind of a bit more blended. And and the things that you do from, you know, nine to five or nine to six or whatever your hours are can blend in with, you know, making dinner and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, well, we kind of got off on a tangent there, but this is this has been an absolutely great conversation, Keith. It was really, I think, really valuable and full of insight, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed having a conversation with you, and let's do it again. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. All right, that's it for season three. 
Enjoy our look back over the next month or so, and we'll see you in September. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time. Thank you.